Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show today. I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, April Flores. Um, I just, I have to tell you how we met, which is uh, originally I was a fan of April's. Um, I knew her as like a celebrity. I, I like to say sex performer. I think regular folks would say porn star. But April's the real deal. She's a multi-award winning um, industry le- powerhouse leader. Certainly like a vanguard um, sex performer as a fat girl. You know, I mean, fat people have always been in porn and burlesque, by the way. Um, but of course, in a fat phobic society, um, people are um, stigmatized for their love and attraction to fat bodies, which is weird because fat bodies are just human bodies, right? Um but, you know, we have this, like, system of oppression that tries to teach us what we're supposed to like and, and how we're supposed to be and how our bodies are supposed to conform, which, by the way, is just a ruse to make us buy things, stay afraid, and uh, afraid people are easier to control. So once you get your power back and once you realize this is all just a lie <laughs> that people are telling you about your bodies, you can really live a fully awesome life, I think. And I think April has really been playing that out. She's been so... Uh, amazing at just representation and just being uh, an awesome human being, honestly. And um, so she has uh, both been like a fully like porn star in the industry performer. And now she's like kind of more uh, doing, I mean, in the pandemic, she's like got an OnlyFans. um, So you can directly interact with her and you can, um, you know, get more curated content. It's so fascinating and beautiful the way the world is now with all of our different opportunities to have subscriptions to the artists and the people who make work that really um, light us up and help us feel better in our bodies. And I have to say, like, watching sex performance of someone whose body looks like you having sex is a healing act, I think. I mean, for me, like, I always loved April's work because it was someone who had a body that was similar to mine having the kind of sex I wanted to have, which is, like, all over the place, right? Like, it's not just heterosexual sex, which I've never actually had. Um, but, like, you know what I mean? It's, like, queer sex. She's had, she's does lots of queer performance. Anyway, so I wanted to talk to her on the episode today just about, like, how folks can interact with her now, uh, with her OnlyFans, and support that, because I really uh, just love her and I want to see her win. But also, she's my real-life friend. Like, it's so funny because, like, I was... Um, kind of being a body liberation person back in the day um, in the aughts and then came across April's work, really loved her sex performance, loved it as my favorite porn, right? Um, shared it with every partner I've ever had, I think. And um, and then like in, it, it was like the early 20 teens, I had a friend who, in, who was a mutual friend with April and invited us both to brunch because she's like, you two need to meet, blah, blah, blah. And I remember it really clearly. I was so nervous. This is back in the day when I used to get really intimidated by people. Um, now these days I'm like, everybody's a human and every, look at my episode, everybody's a mess. That's my, um, my take It's basically everyone's just a human being a human. And if you can really get yourself to that place, that will, and also the mantra of I belong in every room I enter, that will help diffuse your intimidation. Now, I think that I probably played it off like I wasn't intimidated by her. Um, and then of course, as I got to know her as a human, I was like, oh, you're, you're my friend now. Um, but anyway, then I got to hang out with her a lot when I lived in LA. I'm so grateful. And she's one of the only LA friends I've, I have that I've actually seen since I left LA because the pandemic happened pretty close 
after I left LA, but she came up for, uh, literally wore a hazmat suit with our friend Sabine on a plane to come up for a trip to Forks, um, which is nearby on the Olympic Peninsula. So I got to actually see her in person, uh, which is so exciting, but I'm excited to share with you our conversation. Um, we really, we really go there. Like I love talking about sex, um, and sex performance, of course, but like, I don't think one would expect, um, in, uh, <laughs> talk about sex and sex performance to also really dig into grief, but April's a widow and, um, she lost her husband really young and that changes you. I've seen that, that happened to a few of my friends and it's a really, um, profound experience, um, of grief and trauma, honestly. And, um, there is, uh, we really talk about that and the experience of just moving through the shuffles of life, right? Like to me, I feel like our, the things we go through sometimes just shows other people what's possible, you know? Um, and anyway, I just love April. I think she's, she's the realist, you know what I mean? Like she's just the kind of person who has a big heart, um, and is just, and I think that's kind of what make her, makes her such a good performer. Cause I think when performers can really just let down the walls and really just embrace and have fun, that is what, um, I think really brings people in. And I think what really separates her as, and regardless of her size, I think like there's some, she has some notoriety specifically because of her size and being unique in that industry. But truly, I think she's just a great performer because she is a full out heart led creator and artist. Um, and also if you're a, a photographer or videographer or anything like that, an artist in any way, she models, um, and that she's amazing to work with. So uh, all that to say, I'm so excited for you to sit down at the virtual porch with me and April, um, cozying up in our wicker furniture, grabbing your favorite blanket from childhood, your favorite beverage, and just hang out and get to know April. And thanks so much for joining us. I also want to remind everybody that the best way to support this podcast is through my Patreon page. Uh, it's a subscription service that allows uh, folks like you to support creators like me who make work that uh, helps your life be better. Um, it's patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party, which is my aerobics class for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. So if you've ever been called too much, too fat, or felt too awkward to dance, this is the supportive class for you. Um, at any level of support, you get access to my Zoom aerobics classes. And if you want on-demand classes that I film in the woods, uh, you can join at the $25 level. There's always at least six classes to choose from, a 10-minute, 20-minute, 45-minute canisize class, two 55-minute classes, a chair aerobics class, and then also bonus classes. I am now doing swaps with folks that um, I've actually literally subbed their classes before, so it's fun. We have this like little underground aerobics swapping network where we're sharing videos with each other to just kind of add value and add a little difference to each of our memberships. So, Find that at patreon.com slash FKDP, but also I just super appreciate you tuning in and getting to know me and my friends, and I hope this adds value to your life, and we'll talk soon. April, welcome to the podcast! Thank you, David! Oh, yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Um, April, I always like to start business in the front, so will you tell folks um, when they go to your OnlyFans, what do they find? What's available there? I think the biggest draw for my OnlyFans is the direct access to me. Like, I answer all my DMs. Um, I like to really get to know people. And, um, yeah, just the the connection that 
you will get on OnlyFans is not what you'll get on um, Instagram or, or Twitter or even my email. Um, so for me, I think that's the biggest draw. You know, if you want to get to know me better. <laughs> um, and videos and photos, you know, stuff that is um, censored on social media. And also, I mean, I've... I've had this weird thing with Instagram in particular because uh, I need it for marketing, but also they highly censor sex workers and fat sex workers. And um, so that's upsetting. But then at the same time, like when all this dude, there was a time when almost every fucking photo I put up was taken down with a threat of like, if you post one more, we will like delete your account. And I'm like, okay, I see other accounts posting stuff that's more um, revealing of, you know, smaller bodies and their shits up. So, okay, I guess mine won't, but that was upsetting. But at the same time, I have to realize that maybe I shouldn't be putting that shit out for free. You know, maybe I should monetize something that's more like, titillating or whatever so I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the fine line between showing too much not showing enough keeping people interested it's just like really weird tightrope that um i'm having to navigate because all of um my work has been i'm privileged to be able to work from home right now like i i see that i get it and at the same time it's it's really changed how I operate like it has with everybody, you know, the fucking the, the pandemic, <laughs> the plague. Uh-huh. It's so true. I think what's interesting that I find a lot of commonalities because I'm not technically a sex worker and I'm not in that field, but there's so much overlap between entrepreneurialism and sex work and censorship um, and all of that kind of, you know, I know a lot of people who are just, who are fat fashion bloggers, right? And I, and I don't even think there's really, I think sex work is work. I think fashion blogging is work, right? Like if you're doing what you love and what you want to exchange value for, I don't think there's any moralistic uh, thing over it, right? But I've heard from them, fat fashion bloggers, like when they show a lot of skin, they get um, censored as well by the robots. And a theory I've heard is that it's about, the robots are looking at proportion of photo to skin. And when you have more skin, because you just physically have a bigger body, Therefore, your ratio is different than a thin person who's showing maybe even more proportionate skin on their body, but then it's just negatively impacting fat people. And because we live in a society that marginalizes fat people and doesn't care about fat bodies, that thus it continues in this wildly unfair way. <laughs> I've heard that, um, that theory as well. So I guess we just stand farther just be a little bit smaller in the photo (laughs) my my friend sent me this um photo the other day and i you know it's fucked up because these rules they cause tension like they cause animosity so she sent me this photo of this um you know straight size person and she was laying, her back was facing the camera. It was basically like a silhouette. So it was like her a picture of her backside. You can see her asshole, okay? That's how 
you know, she was just laying that way. You could fucking see it. So I guess I'm a hater, right? I fucking reported it just to see, not to hate on this creator because all love to her, but just to be like, okay, Instagram, let's see what you fucking always take my shit down. I reported it and I never heard back, you know, and I don't make a, a habit of doing this, but in this one week instance, I was like, you know what? Let me fucking see what happens. That picture's still up. They never followed up with, um, cause usually if I report something, they'll, um, you know, get back to me in a few days. Like, and it's mostly on my stuff. Like if I see my photo on another page or like a fake account, um, you know, mimicking me, I'll, I'll, um, report that. And, and they do follow up with a uh, message saying we've looked into this, we've removed it, or we've taken this action, whatever your case is closed. And I never heard anything back from that photo. So it just makes me, yes, the bots are looking at, at skin ratio, but I'm just like, what? it still feels unfair to me. It is unfair. And it's so wild too, because Instagram could easily put in adult controls the way YouTube has, right? Like there's ways in which that people who are more adult creators could therefore have more access. But the thing that worries me a lot, honestly, about like being someone who creates so much and so prolifically on Instagram, um, I, is that I don't own that platform. I don't own that connection to my clients and my customers. And like, it's vulnerable when you have like tens of thousands of people who you can connect to through this thing. But at any minute, Instagram can just take your whole profile away. My friend Celine, who is like a cannabis pioneer, I've interviewed her on the podcast a couple of times. She had her whole, she had like 50,000 followers on Instagram, maybe more. And like, poof, her Instagram was gone. Just nothing she could do. She couldn't get it back. So it's so important you out there to maintain your connection to the creators that matter to you is to get on their email list and like, you know, maybe throw them a couple of bucks. I consider it a tithe when I subscribe to someone who is nourishing me spiritually or emotionally. And like, I think that honestly, I, my experience, you were my favorite porn star before you became friends. I mean, you still are actually my favorite porn star, but we're friends now. It's just different. Uh, and like it was uh it's like the kind of thing where seeing you have sex like as a sex performer which i think you're just like honestly one of the best sex performers out there thank you like you you have the kind of sex i want to be having you have a body that is similar to mine and um and you're fun right like and you have a lot of personality and you make good connections with your co-stars and so it like was really affirming to me to just be a consumer. I mean, I, I paid for porn, right? Like a consumer watching someone that gave me more confidence in myself as like a sexual being, uh, which I think is something as a fat person that was really kind of stolen from me. Um, you know, just because when you're told you're undesirable for so long, you begin to believe it. And that's a lie because there's someone out there for everybody. Right, yeah. Thank you for saying that, Bevan. That that means a lot to me because, um, you know, that's why I've uh, stayed in the industry so long is just to be, you know, a, a representation. Representation is really, really important. And uh, porn is media. I'm sure your audience knows this already, but I, I do have it anyway. I don't have that many porn stars on my, on my podcast. <laughs> okay, so pornography is media. Um, and you know, like representation and media 
it's really important for someone for people to see people that look like themselves in any type of media is helpful um i'm hopeful that fat people will become like the romantic leads and all of these things and not have it be like oh this is a movie about a fat person finding love like this is just a movie about a person um i feel like fat people are still kind of um you know delegated to the roles of like funny friend or fucking sidekick or yeah we're always like the jolly you know uh person or um i, I don't know um yeah so thank you for saying that <laughs> totally i mean i think you're um you've been on this cutting edge in an industry that is also marginalized so it's like you you're both like fat and also a sex worker and both of those are like marginalized identities to be a creator from um and queer so like there's just like you know what i mean like there's there's a lot of ways like you have to navigate this sensorful world and your this is where like the agency of your true fans comes into contact this is my one of my favorite entrepreneurial theories is the thousand true fans so if you get a thousand people who are spending a hundred bucks on your stuff every year whether that be subscriptions or buying yeah, this was a music industry thing so they were saying like buying your re-releases things like that that a true fan will do and that will make you a hundred thousand dollars a year and that's enough to really live a nice comfortable life um above the happiness threshold which is seventy five thousand a year um there's a there's another theory that says when you make more than the happiness threshold your your happiness does not improve much after that right like you make enough to comfortably meet your needs and be getting out of debt or whatever your goals are and then after that because you and i both know money doesn't money. have happiness it's just options right and you got to buy your food and your rent and stuff and so this is like you know only fans is a way for people to own content and share it with folks and i think the same with patreon right like in anything that's a subscription site so i'm curious like how long have you been on OnlyFans, and um are you finding this to be like a fun outlet for you to be like more of a self-contained creator yeah that's a great question i and i could tell you're a creator too just like by your question <laughs> <laughs> i've been on OnlyFans since like november 2019 so like a year a little bit more than like a year, year and a half um and uh, sorry i spaced on your other question no just like how long you've been there and like do you is this like a good place for you to be creating or do you have other dreams of like how you want to be yeah, it's a, it's a good place to create. Um, what being on OnlyFans has really taught me is that, <laughs> you know, the content machine is never full. Like that is a monster beast that always needs more, 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 more. Um, so I think in that aspect, it's really moved my, the way I approach my work from having it being really calculated you know like stylized and um really thought out to just uh i don't want to say quantity over quality but there is a lot of uh shooting that needs to happen you know i have my ring light is like right here in my living room <laughs> um and so i i feel like it is a good outlet in that i'm just learning more skills you know i entered this industry in 2005 which um, is a lot like centuries ago in terms of like technology. Yeah. And uh, when I entered, I 
you know, back in 2005, I would get hired for a, a scene, get a really nice paycheck, and then be done with it. Promo wasn't really necessary. Um, networking, while I love to network, it wasn't as important as it is now. Um, it was just really easier back then. And now, as you know, <laughs> we create, and that's just a really, really small part of it. After that is the marketing and the push. And um, that's where I'm, uh, I, I'm easing into it. It doesn't really come super easy for me to be like, hey, look at me, buy my shit, go click here, do this. Like, uh, I all the respect to the people who comes naturally to, but for me, that's been the biggest um, growing pain has just been to not um, feel like I'm begging or asking for, you know, money, which basically I'm, I'm asking for subscriptions. So it, it's just been this really weird uh, balance, but um, yeah, I love learning and it's, it's, it's fun. I want to say, first of all, I don't know a single creator who loves marketing. Like oh. literally nobody loves it as much as you need to do it. Right. Like you have to, so it used to be in back in 2005 marketing, I think like the the, the thing I heard was like, people need to hear something three to five times before they make a purchase. Even if like they hear it the first time and they're like, oh yeah, I want to do that thing or I want to buy that thing. Um, they have to hear it now like seven to 12 times and that, and right. And then like, if you are on algorithms and email lists and stuff like that, you just have to tell people, I have to say the same thing 10 times and I still don't think I'm saying it enough, you know? And I, and I have to say like, for me, I talk about this all the time with everyone I know. I just want to be great at aerobics. I just, I, I learned so much and there's so much that goes into my aerobics. That's the thing I want to be great at. And that's the thing I know I give my hundred percent to marketing. I go between giving it 50% to 80%. Okay. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's a really good number. Um, yeah, it's just uh, lots of stuff to think about. And at the same time, I know that OnlyFans, Instagram, they're not going to be around forever. Mm -hmm. So I worry about putting all my eggs in one basket with this, this um, platform, with both of them. Instagram is the big shit right now. Um, TikTok, are, you make TikTok, right? My, okay, you are literally probably the fifth person I've talked to in a row who has been like, yeah, you'll kill TikTok or you make TikTok. I don't know. I, I'm on TikTok a little and I'm still trying to figure out how to serve there. And, and by serve, I mean, I'm trying to move away from even marketing to just simply adding value wherever I go and remembering to remind people how they can support me, right? So it's like, instead of it always being about join my Patreon, it's like, here's something that I think might help you or something from my experience. P.S. Join my Patreon. <laughs> That's my new theory uh, to get people in the door. <laughs> I, I, I really like that. I thank you for that information because um, it's true. Like when something on YouTube is like, I don't pay for Hulu or Netflix. I pay for my YouTube subscription because mm. uh, for me, it's worth it. But yeah, if someone adds value, they'll be like, well, sign up for my shit. I'm like, okay, I will. So yeah, adding value is a really good uh, insight. Thank you. Yeah. It's like, 
And it's funny because um, have you done anything on Clubhouse yet? You're talking all the new social medias. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just joined like three days ago. And so I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, I'm excited to be on something new. You know, it still has that like invite only exclusive feeling. So yeah. I'm, I'm still figuring it out. Uh, but apparently there's a lot of room for growth there. There's tons of room for growth. And what I love most so far that I've seen is the culture is about adding value. Because mm. if, if you're not hearing someone in a room who's actually teaching you something or like just, who's just speaking to hear themselves talk, you'll leave, right? But like really how you how you win there is adding value. And then you get, you know, I think so far I've talked to people who are like, yeah, I just get some follows from it. I myself am more of a like, invite me to a space and I'll show up. Like if it's a good party, I want to be there. And I love the commute these days where all I have to do, like on clubhouse, it's just audio only. So you're just laying around, yeah. uh, you know, or doing your dishes or whatever. Right. Like, so it's like, it's kind of like live podcast recording for those of you out there who haven't been on there, but it's only available on iPhone. Uh, but so far, the reason why I got on it was because everyone I knew who was on it was cool. And was like, and someone who's like an entrepreneur or creator. And I was like, well, seems like the kind of people I want to be having conversations with. So let's try this out. So, Same with me. I was like, all these cool people are talking about Clubhouse. Like, how can I be down? And so my friend did invite me. And you're right. If you're not adding value, you will leave a room. Uh, I've gotten, I just pop into all different types of rooms that I really don't have a true interest in. But why the fuck not? Like, tech stuff. I went to a tech room and I was like learning some stuff. And earlier there was this, um, one chat or room or stage, or I don't even know the, um, the terminology yet. And this man's voice was just really irritating me. So I was like, bye, leave quietly. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, it's cool. And I also wonder if this platform would be as successful or as you know like a you know people having an interest had we not been shut inside for a year like you know i feel like everyone wants to this is how we can connect right now yeah so it's 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 interesting it is interesting i love it i think it is really well timed um and it's also it, again it's kind of illustrating where the new markets are um, because like uber is the biggest transportation company in the world and they don't own the cars they just own the connection to the customers uh, airbnb is the biggest real estate company in the world and they don't own a single piece of real estate right like they just own the connection to the customers facebook owns the connection to the customers amazon owns the connection to the customers they take 15 percent off the top they don't even like obviously amazon does a lot of things and they manufacture some stuff but like it's really these days the money is where the customers are and um, in the connection point and then it's kind of facilitating interactions so it's it's interesting right and like how um like i know you're talking about like you don't know if only fans is going to be around forever i mean that's the thing is like it's just adaptability right like 15 years ago when you started 16 years ago when you started in this industry they didn't exist right and you just kind of keep and 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 it's kind of a cool way to own your connection to your fans during this time when shooting isn't really so much happening, right? right. I mean, yeah. I some of it's happening, but it's also like nice to not have to go to shoots you don't really want to do. Like everything gets to be a fuck yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I do miss shooting, um, mainly because shooting by myself. Like, 
like I never really enjoyed a solo scene like the, the, that was always like the most boring for me and that's what's been like 99.9% of the content I've made during quarantine is uh solo I'm really tired of like fucking myself <laughs> to be honest <laughs> everyone in the quarantine is saying exactly that same thing that is the sentiment of everyone who's single and or who's like not a, who's not with their person right mm -hmm. whoever that is however that is i think we can all echo that chorus just like at a catholic mass uh i'm so tired of fucking myself <laughs> uh, abundant riches be with you i just interviewed substantia jones from the out of positivity project who you totally know you shot yeah. Yeah. Um, she like first minute out of the gate she was talking about sex and like corn she called it quarantine horny uh, <laughs> i'm glad that my friend the porn star is also quarantine horny um, yes. <laughs> how okay so how i i heard something last night that's like yeah we're gonna be in this shit for a long time like this is like the quote unquote new normal yeah how am I going to meet someone? <laughs> the, the thing is, you know, honestly, I'm like meeting myself. Like this quarantine has really forced me to um, stop, you know, like just be still, be with myself. Like, and that has been really challenging, you know, like in my space with myself and like facing my shit that um, I wouldn't be doing if, there was no quarantine. I, I feel like I would still be in a relation, like still be married had the pandemic not happened. So, wow. um, I, you know, it's just like forcing me to really deal with stuff that I wouldn't have the time or desire to face had there not been, you know, me in my box <laughs> for a year. That's awesome. Actually. I'm really, you know, meeting yourself is a constant process that I found, um, I've realized, like, I think a lot of pain I've gone through is because I wasn't doing that regularly. I wasn't like, I remember in my last relationship, I stopped journaling when we moved to California together, I would sit down to journal in the morning. It was a daily practice in New York. And I would sit down in California to try to do it. And I couldn't. And like, it was so interesting. Like I just had such a resistance to it. And I would sit there for like a half an hour staring into space because I didn't, I couldn't confront myself on the page. And I think it's because I just, was in a space where I, I just didn't want to know the truth. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think we can kind of, I read this in a book. This is how this really played out for me. I read someone's memoir about being in a toxic relationship and how she stopped journaling. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I see myself reflected in these words. Um, and so now I'm working to really root this in and it's not easy, but like every, at least every two weeks and the new moon and the full moon, I sit down and I ask myself some questions. And luckily I have a yoga teacher who sends out good self-reflection questions, but like just really even just writing words to page is a way to like meet yourself again. And I'm curious for you, like what kinds of self-care have you been doing to just get to know yourself in this quarantine? Yeah, um, going to therapy, I, I you know, like, um, you know, self-care, I feel like, in some ways is thought of like as a bubble bath and getting a mani pedi like that that for me is really the outer shell of self-care i'm 
working on, and I'm privileged to do this. I understand that having a therapist is not something that I've ever really had consistently for a lot of reasons. Um, but now I'm able to, uh, I, I found a great one and, and, uh, you know, I've, I'm able to like afford it. Um, and yeah, so the, the, the bubble baths and, and, you know, like facial masks and stuff are cool. But for me, I'm really interested in, um, getting to the core of like, you know, really self-caring, unpacking all my bullshit, like unlearning everything. Um, generational stuff that I've, I've learned and carried and unfortunately, you know, shown partners and stuff like that's the real self-care that I'm trying to do. Like I have anger issues and I'm in an anger management group and it's, it's just facing me, my bullshit and, um, the inherited stuff that, um, you know, we learned growing up that's been my self-care and like hikes. Like I moved, I'm like in nature now. So like I step out and there's like trees and stuff. So just walking and thinking I might start journaling, (laughs) but just like inner work um, is kind of like the self-care that I've been doing. That is the stuff that's going to give you, I mean, here's what self-care I define as doing the thing now that you maybe don't want to do so that you can feel better later. A bubble bath is like self-care for tomorrow. Uh, Therapy is self-care for the rest of your life. And like, it's really, it's like kind of, my favorite quote about therapy is it's what you, it's the thing you do for the people in your life who won't go to therapy. (laughs) Honestly, I've been in therapy now for two years um, since just before uh, my partner and I broke up. I actually went with the explicit intent to become a better partner for her. Like, that's what I said to my therapist when we started. And then like three weeks into it, I'm like, she broke up with me. And so then we picked up the pieces of my life and examined it. Um, and so now we've been working together for two years and it's been, it's like my emotional hygiene practice at this point. Like, I'm so glad I do it. It's so helpful. It helps things not fester. It helps me not get angry about things because I have a place to let off my steam pipe. And then, and I have a person I complain to. I try really hard to not complain to anybody else besides my coaches, my mentors, and my therapist. And then it's not even like real true complaining. It's just like, here's some shit that's annoying, you know, or whatever. I, that's super healthy. I, I, I will try to not complain to anyone that I'm not paying. <laughs> I mean, it's honestly, it's been super helpful because most people in my life don't need to hear what I'm complaining about. They need more for me to listen to them and to connect and focus on our connection rather than like my cat food like required me to spend five hours on the phone true story this month to track down because the manufacturer is having issues so and he's on such a specific diet anyway i'm not going to complain about it royal canaan if anyone out there is at royal canaan you dm me and let me know if you can help me get a hold of some special food um i also started therapy and anger management for the reasons of saving my marriage and shortly after I started both my uh marriage ended so um yeah and then I was glad to already be in the process of those things right as the breakup was happening because I had support and as painful as the breakup was that all breakups are all to me all ends are 
hard. Yeah. Um, but I knew it was the right thing. Like, uh, yeah, it was just the, the best thing. I knew that it was a gift we were both giving each other. Um, and now we're like really best friends. And so our, our dynamic has changed from romantic um, love to really like uh, family love. Like I feel like, m- you know, my ex and I are like fucking family. Like, so it's, I feel really lucky to have gained like a, a family member Um and uh yeah just yeah it's been interesting like nor usually you know with breakups like with my first boyfriend like we don't talk at all usually you know i kind of came from the mindset of like oh if we break up we're done and that's not really the case for me i'm i'm finding like as i'm in my 40s like i'm friends with most of my exes um there's for me there's no reason not to be um, I don't have very many exes because I was in a really long relationship. So um, the people that I've been with, I'm like now friends with. And I feel lucky to, except for my first boyfriend. <laughs> he hates me. <laughs> I think. I think those are great odds, actually. If it's just like one boyfriend that you're not still connected to. Um, I'd love to talk about like grief and grieving because I think you, unfortunately, like got your more than your fair share super early in life um with your first husband um and so I'm curious if you could talk about like maybe a little bit about your romance with Carlos and like how you adjusted and like kind of how you healed through grieving and maybe still some of the grieving work you do because it's I think he probably how long ago did he pass um seven years I'm gonna cry (laughs) just a warning (laughs) As you are this podcast is come as you are start before okay. you ready please cry please be real we love you yeah um so we were yeah he passed in 2013 so that's um seven years it'll be eight in october it's just with the fucking with grief time is just such a weird weird thing that's the, the biggest thing i've learned with grief is just like Time continues and the grief just is, is always, it's just stays. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, time is such a weird construct because it does pass, but you know, feelings, um, remain. I, Carlos is an amazing artist, like amazing person, very cool. Did you ever meet him? You know, I never met Carlos, but I saw it's like we were we had so many friends in common that it felt like I knew him just through other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just an amazing, amazing person and my ultimate soulmate. And um, how old were you when you met Carlos? I was 24, 23 or 24. I think I had just turned 24. And yeah, we met at this coffee shop and, um, no, no, no. We met at an art gallery. We met at a gallery opening. I went with my cousin because she had a friend in a group show there. And, um, I was single. I was very, you know, I was fucking everyone. I was really single. And I saw this really hot guy and I was like, I'm going to fuck him. <laughs> right. When I saw him, I knew because we gave each other that look like, 
Okay. So then later in the night, he came up to me and he said, I'm a photographer. Have you ever done any modeling? And I was like, oh, what a fucking line. Like, okay, whatever. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, like he, he called me and he showed me his portfolio. We met up and he really just wanted to shoot me. And, but there was such a connection. And, and so eventually, um, you know, we started shooting a lot. We started dating. We got married. And the camera was the only consistent in our, our relationship. Um, so, you know, we did a lot of projects. He was uh, um, a director for adults. And, um, yeah, I actually have the book Fat Girl. It's, like, right here. Um, oh, like I'm showing you. Uh, because a fan sent this to me for me to sign and I'm going to mail it back today. But, um, yeah, so we had fat girl, which was like our, our, you know, the, the project that we had been working towards for a long, long, long time. And that was published in 2013 in July. And then he passed in October. So, um, it's, it's just life is, life is very weird. The thing that grief has also taught me is, is that life does whatever the fuck it wants. And I think we're all kind of like experiencing that right now in quarantine. But I did learn that in, you know, losing Carlos that all the plans that you make, life is ultimately in control. And I think just learning to be adaptable is, um, yeah, I've learned with grief, it's it's part of me, you know, like it's another appendage and it's always with me. And, you know, some days it's more prominent than others. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, deal, dealing with grief, it's just, you just have to go through it. Shortly after Carlos died, like I saw my cousin's aunt, so like she's not even my family member. She's my cousin's aunt and um, her spouse uh passed and you know i saw her shortly after we weren't even close um she's also since passed but um she looked at me and just the way she looked at me i was like damn she knows how this feels and she said no one's gonna get you through this like you just have to push forward and you just have to be strong and go through it and you know, like her words have stayed with me, even now she's gone, you know, like her words have stayed with me the most because just having someone who experienced that, I valued her words way more than um, other people who are just like from the outside, like thinking they know what to say. I heard a lot of really dumb shit, <laughs> um, you know, like a lot of people, and I know they meant well, you know, like, uh, at least you experienced this type of love. Like, okay, yeah, I guess. But how is that supposed to make me feel better about losing this type of love? Like, he was only 40, you know? Like, we had so many plans. And so, yeah, I, I think if anyone is experiencing grief, I think connecting with someone that has experienced your type of grief was really helpful. Like, I went to this group called uh grief group called our house it's in la our house and i was in a group young adults and it was all people who are younger that lost a spouse or or their partner and just being with that group of people who knew the specific pain 
it was really validating and comforting uh, in a time where everyone is just really an unsolicited like uh, opinions and, and advice. And I know they meant well, but you know, I, I just learned the best from uh, being with people who experienced my group grief because all grief is fucked, but it's a dare. Like my dad also passed away, but that grief is way different than, you know, my, my husband. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I just want to say like, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, people do say stupid stuff out with the best intentions. And it's like with everything, you kind of got to take what you like and leave the rest. Yeah. I really wanted to echo how, like, so I haven't lost someone who I was actively in a partnership with, but I've lost people who I've broken, who we had a breakup and then they died like not long later, a few times. Kind of creepy, actually. Um, I'm not saying I'm a black widow, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but it is a specific type of loss when you've lost someone you've been physically intimate with and when you've tried to create a life with someone, um, those losses are so specific to situations. And like someone reached out to me who had had a couple of their lovers, their ex-lovers pass away. And we just, even that coffee, I remember with her so distinctly how uh, it just, it, it was like the kind of coming home when you see yourself reflected in media, you know what I mean? When you're like, oh my God, this very specific grief I'm going through, you're naming it, you're explaining what your emotions are. This is the power of vulnerability. When you're willing, I've done this many times with friends who have lost people uh, who they've been intimate with before, just because I know it's such a specific type of grief um, to lose an ex, right? And it's a specific type of grief to lose a spouse. And there's support groups for that. There's not necessarily support groups for like weird queer life grief. Um, but like it's I'm so proud of you for continuing to do this work and continuing to stay alive and make your work and move forward through life in spite of the fact that like that I mean I just think life is profoundly unfair and it's gonna life at you you know what I mean and it's like that's that's why we grieve and it's so unfair that like we grow up in this like death phobic society where they don't want to talk about things that are uncomfortable or hard or messy um, but it's just, I can't, as a, as a future parent, I think it's one of my sacred responsibilities to teach my children how to grieve and how to weave grief into the process of life. Because if you love someone, you are risking and ultimately going to receive grief from that love, no matter how it comes. Even like, I was just thinking about this the other day, I watched Sleepless in Seattle and like, I could really relate to Tom Hanks' character and his grief about his wife passing away simply because of like a specific feeling of grief I had around like how good I thought my last relationship was, you know, it was like six years and it felt good when I was in it, but there were all these cracks that I couldn't see, which ultimately like, it's like she still exists in the world, but it feels like that what we had died, you know, and it was just such a, a weird grief. And I was just really realizing, I'm like, oh my God, no matter what, if you get together with someone, they're either going to die or break your heart. <laughs> there is, or you're going to have to break their heart, right? Because you change, right? Like there's always heartbreak, no matter what, if you risk loving, but I would never trade the, the experience of loving just to have less pain. No, that's, that's, that's true. Um, I, I thought of a few things as you were speaking. I also grieve, um, 
the person I was because she she died that day too, you know. And I, I'm still physically here. That person I was before she's long gone, yeah. and she's really nice. She was really naive, and I have a lot of um, I've had a lot of hard feelings to work through to her because I just feel like I was really like naive and and really didn't um I thought I was gonna die first you know because my dad died when he was 50 and I'm like yeah my genes are shit like I'll be gone first (laughs) um and yeah so I think and our future what we planned because we did want to start a family shortly after you know like we were planning like in the fall and he died in the fall so the, the 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 plans is really like you know i can't help but sometimes think like how different shit would be even though it's probably not that healthy um but yeah she she's gone in the plans and um yeah just being being represented in grief is 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 real yeah um will you talk about the Okay, so one of my favorite things that you have ever created in your whole career was with Carlos. It was the Faster Pussycat Kill Kill porn remake with Bad Girls. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me how that idea came about and how you created it? Because I feel like you did the whole indie thing. Like, you made it happen. Well, that was all Carlos. Um, so it's called Voluptuous Biker Babes. He saw, we saw Faster Pussycat Kill Kill and he was really like pumped and he was uh, working with Adam Neve at that time. And the really cool thing about Carlos, which really pisses me off that he's not here in like so many ways, but um, he was really, he's like one of the few people that I've ever met in my life that does what they say, like all kinds of people, especially in LA, like I'm going to do, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And he did it you know, he would do shit. So he pitched this idea to Adam and Eve and they gave him a really nice budget. And it was a three day shoot. We went out to the desert. Um, the cast was huge. Um, yeah. And it was just his, his really, his artistic vision that, um, made it all come to life. It was one of the bigger shoots we did. And I was, um, talent. So I was just, you know, like having fun and just doing my scenes and just kind of on set hanging out. And he was, uh, really in work mode the whole time. It's just, yeah, it just, his, his vision was just really strong and he had, you know, so the thing is like, okay, you can have talent, right. But you need a lot of other stuff as, you know, like to make it, bring it to light. Um, and back then, like right now, you know, right now there's a lot of ways for creators to monetize their work back then, like in 20, like to 2008 to to fucking 2010, all these times, the way to make money wasn't really like now we don't, we didn't have the stuff like Patreon or OnlyFans or whatever. So a lot of his time was spent trying to get budgets, you know, get people to like invest in his vision um, so yeah, it was just his, his view vision. And we just went out to the desert and, um, casting, I helped with casting. And a lot of times we just cast people that we knew, like our friends, because that's what makes shooting fun is if you're with your friends, you know, they have, they have like an invested interest in like helping your creation be good. Um, so yeah, that, that, 
That's that. Voluptuous biker babes. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Like it's like it's both like hot because it's porn, but it's also incredible performance art and like video experimental video and like and faster pussycat kill kill. If you haven't heard of that movie, that's like a famous like old feminist movie. Like kind of uh, who was the I forget the name of like one of the main babes. Right, I forgot her name too. Is this something with a V? I think. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, she's um, amazing. It's an icon, and like, um, and so like to have all these like fat porn icons like in this remake of it, my little feminist uh, women and gender studies film major heart was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to, I have to credit um, Dark Lady who wrote the script. Do you know Dark Lady? I don't. Okay, yeah, I don't. I haven't. I don't know if she's still around, but she wrote that script. Um, so yeah, she would have to credit her. Oh my God. So absolutely. That's something like if you're an April Flores fan, or even if you're new to April Flores, welcome to this wonderful world. You've got to watch that movie. It's yes. just fun. Um, April, what's your like sort of dream scenario, roaring twenties coming out of the quarantine? Like, what does it look like for you? Uh, what's like, like dream scenario, just like the world is on fire and you're the queen bee. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, it is going to be another Roaring Twenties, right? Oh, yeah. Calling that in. A renaissance of Roaring Twenties. We're ready. Yeah, just all, all the sex, all the connection. You know, I'm a little bit scared that STIs might go up. Like, yeah, pandemic might be under control. But those STIs, right, they're still going to be a thing. Yeah, just fucking. All the fucking, all the connecting, all the hugging, all the just being in shared space it's so weird that sharing space is so taboo now um just abundance of connection i feel like is the ideal thing for me we're, we're so starved right yes i mean connection is everything and i've you know i have to say i've enjoyed this time just because i love that it's like equal opportunity to connect with my friends you're in la i'm up here in in the north pole and like you know, people in new york people in australia like we can just zoom and be in the same place together but like hugs and retreats i really miss the experience of getting to go away for like a long weekend and self-care and nourish myself with people and then go home like in this like new it's almost like a rediscovery of yourself when you're able to separate yourself from your environment take good care meet new people you vibe up and i really miss having those like those getaway moments but i think in this time we're all meeting ourselves right so and for me i think travel was a big distraction for myself mm -hmm. and my routine yeah um, and it's really easy to just throw yourself off your game by like having to go somewhere for work or play and i think i'm, I'm excited for the growth to come out of this time to feed the party that's gonna come. Yes! <laughs> I love the way you look at things, it's true. We gotta like nourish ourselves, build ourselves up for all the debauchery that's gonna take place. <laughs> hydrate, hydrate, hydrate is what I have to say. And, you know, wrap it up, be safe, uh, use Saran Wrap uh, if you need to. Um, so I'm curious, you probably weren't always okay with your body, or maybe you are one of those fat people who like was always okay with your body, but how did you become someone who is essentially uh, famous for being fat and naked? Like, how did you get to the point where you're like, I'm cool, let's do this, let me be representation in porn? 
I love that. I'm famous for being fat and naked. May I use that? Absolutely. You can quote. Uh, No, no, no. I didn't grow up this way. I grew up with, uh, my mom was raised Catholic. So, you know, there's all that. And, um, you know, like always wanting to be smaller and dieting and just idealizing a small body and equating that to happiness is what I learned. And then in my early 20s, I, I lost a lot of weight. I became uh, skinny and um, it was all done really unhealthy, right? I was in two really unhealthy relationships and I wasn't eating and I was broke and, you know, I was just a mess. So I was eating once a day and I lost weight. Um, And then I realized like, wait a minute, I'm still unhappy, (laughs) right? Like I'm skinny, skinny, but I guess I, I look cuter to some people. Like I have more opportunities, I guess. But I'm still like not really all the way happy. So um, I I was working at a coffee house back then, and this one guy came over. Like he he was a regular, so every day he would come in, and he was always really happy. And I was like, "What is your trick?" Oscar was his name. I had the hugest crush on him. Um, like Oscar, what's like the secret? And he's like, "You have to choose to be happy." Like it's, you know, I work at it, you know, it's not like easy. And so I, I kind of took those words, um, which I, I kind of have an issue with sometimes now that I'm, I've gone through my grief and my loss, like it's, it's not always really choice, but for the most part, it kinda, you have to work at it. Um, and then I started gaining weight slowly and I was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm fine. Like I'm good. I'm going to try to like not base my happiness on my body size which is kind of how I had been operating because I was still, I was skinny and happy. I'd rather just be happy inside my brain and whatever my body size is like, I'll, um, you know, I don't care. Uh, so yeah, once I started gaining weight, people around me were kind of freaking out like, Hey, like, you know, I'm sure you, you've experienced that too. Like people trying to be nice, I guess, but concerned. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I arrived to where I'm at. And then during that same time is right when I met Carlos. So I think it was a really good time um, it, for me and also to meet him, which is kind of like why I'm doing so much work on myself now, because I want to be ready for my next person, because I do want to get married again. Um, because to me, like being married twice, yawn, whatever, three, four, five, like that's my goal. <laughs> So if I want a partner that's going to be like up here, like bringing their best self, I got to fucking be my best self too. Uh, so yeah, that's, I don't know if I answered your question. You 100% answered my question and then drop more knowledge because you're absolutely right. Like you, the only, this is the law of attraction, but it's also just like how to wait for God's best, right? Because I think so many of us go out and like pluck whoever and like put them in our life because we think we need a partner to fulfill us or to make us happy but in fact it's just like getting skinny it doesn't make you happy it just makes you have less body mass it is literally the only thing that changes is your body mass is different the everywhere you go there you are so if you're in pandemic and you're spinning in your thoughts and you're not doing well you got to make changes or you're just going to keep doing that thing and so uh, it's so funny because I know so many people who've had weight loss surgery, massive weight loss, and developed really strong like heroin addictions and crazy stuff. 
because they never did the work in their brains that they needed to in order to feel okay in their life. And like, be, I mean, I'm a, an example of a human being who can thrive at 330 pounds, who can thrive at, I don't know, 240 pounds. Like I, I've been a lot of sizes as a grown up, um, but I've always been fat and I have procedurally gotten happier, ultimately like more and more satisfied with life as I become a better and better version of myself. Um, and I really, I too love to be married. I'm excited to be married again. Um, my, I, I held this sign at a Prop 8 protest back when gay marriage was illegal. Um, and it was a sign that said, I deserve the right to be the lesbian Liz Taylor. Um, and it still stands. I definitely deserve that right. I feel like I've been, I've had the equivalent of three marriages. I really want the fourth one to be a charm, you know what I mean? But like, and I'm happy to get married to that person again and again and again. Um, I love weddings. I love renewals of vows. Um, and I really want to have a maple farm in Canada. And so it's like, I really see that as like a nice wedding venue. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I hope I'm invited. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I want it to be like a thing where like I just have like a camp wedding. I love like having my friends together and having I really think that's where the revolution is. It's like you surround yourself with people who are growing and I think that's the revolution is everyone choosing to grow themselves. It's self-leadership to grow. But then when you get those people around each other, those connections that people make, like you know, I met you at a brunch through a mutual friend. You know what I mean? And now we're friends and like it's so fun to like actually meet and connect and grow together and like, you know, be creators kind of alongside. So anyway, I just think that like, I'm excited for you to keep growing and to just see who this new version of April is like, I'm so proud of you for going to anger management. That's like a huge step. Um, is there anything that you've learned from anger management that like is like a fun tool you could share with anybody? Yeah, several things. Um, first of all, you know, in terms of like guilt and shame, like you're not your anger. It's just like what it's like what you do. You're like, like you're not what you've done. It's just what you do. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Also like um, we've just learned unhealthy ways, unskillful ways of like coping with anger and what's under anger is fear and, and hurt and there's an anger uh, iceberg. <laughs> I, I don't have it near me, so I can't tell you exactly what's under anger. But anger is not, like, there's a lot of things under that. Um, also, so it's, it's good to examine, like, why am I angry? Okay, it's, like, all these other things. Um, the other thing, big thing, time out, right? Fucking take a time out. And also to listen to your body, like, your body cues, right? Like, do for me my heart starts racing. I feel like my blood is boiling, right? Like I feel hot inside for some people, like they, the palms get sweaty or whatever. Like try to know your, 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 um, before you explode, try to know, listen to your body cues. And, um, before that, like even before your body cues show up, like try to just take a time out. A good time is an hour. <laughs> I don't know who has that much time. Well, I guess we do right now in quarantine, but, um, taking a time out and not really coming back to the situation um, until you're like cooled off, which could be another hour. It could be a day, you know, it, it could, it's time consuming. And also too, before you leave the situation with um, whomever you're having this, this uh, friction with, if you say, um, 
I want to revisit this conversation. It's important to me, but I, I just need time out because I've tried the timeout thing before with other, you know, in other situations. And at the time, like I have abandonment shit too. So at the time, like, Oh my God, you're leaving, whatever. But just to let that person know, like, this is valuable to me. What's happening here is valuable. Like I'm not leaving because I don't care. Actually I'm leaving because I care. And um, this matters to me. We will talk about this when we're both in a better space. Um, Those have been the things that, uh, you know, have really helped me. And also that it's a long process. I started this group in May or April, like end of April. And, you know, there's a person in the group that's been there for two years. So it's not like, these are behaviors. If you have anger, it's shit that you learned from your parents and, you know, like I'm 44. So I have had my whole life to like be this way and I'm learning and learning um, more skillful ways of dealing with anger, fear, sadness. Um, it's not going to be overnight. It's a process. That's one of the most self-compassionate things you can remember is that like you had a whole lifetime to learn one way of being. And I, I like to say like, if I, I didn't, I started 12 step recovery in Al-Anon, uh, which really helped me change the way I dealt with my emotions. Um, I definitely, I've had anger issues. I had all the things that was all like jumbled. And I, I used to remind myself, especially in early recovery, I was like, I had 31 years of living this way. I get, it, it will take me till I'm 62 to have lived as many years as I did the other way. So it's okay if it takes a while and that's self-compassion. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, we're in for the long haul and it's worth it. You know, like I don't want to bring my not best self to anybody or, or hurt anyone like I have in the past ever again. Um, and it takes work. It does take work. I feel like I've worked really hard to become a tender version of myself to really like unfurl my loving from underneath all the hurt and shame and defensiveness is just someone who loves a lot and who has abandonment issues and, and plenty of trauma. Right. But like underneath it, I still want to love. And I know that my love is powerful and that's the environment I want to create for my future spouse and my future kids. It's just like a truly unconditionally loving, tender environment. Um, yeah. yeah. I have to, oh, sorry. No, no. Say what you're going to say. Oh, I have to say like my ex and I being so such good friends now, it's, it's really cool because we're able to kind of heal. Oh my God, I'm going to cry again. Kind of heal like the hurt. Like a lot of times after anger group, I'll call them and be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know. Well, I'll check in first because it's not really their responsibility to carry, you know, that I'll be like, are you, do you have space? You know, I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I did this, this, this. Um, but we're able to really like heal, I think, and forgive each other. And um, they also tell me, you know, occasionally, I'm sorry. Like, I think we're both processing our, um, our end together and it works for us. I don't know how healthy some people think that is or whatever, but it's not, like overly processing, but you know, like, we both say, I'm sorry. And we both share what we we're learning. And, um, it, that having that, I feel like is really a privilege too. like to have a friend and be like, dude, I'm so sorry. And to receive 
apologies. Um, it's really, uh, feel really lucky to be experiencing that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a, a beautiful thing that you've been able to do um, is to have like good boundaries, right? You have boundaries with people you want to keep in your life, but having good boundaries, right? And also continuing to work through things so you can have a familial relationship and not abandon the good things that are still there. Mm -hmm. I was thinking actually about my first fiance and about like how, cause he really kind of like, there was some stuff that he did that was really emotionally violent. Um, like cheated on me with one of my good friends. Like it was wild. And, but you know, what was I doing to attract that into my life? Right. Like, I want to say like, you know, there was definitely like a, a vibration I was loving on that was not where I could have been. And, and, uh, I was just thinking, I was like, I don't want to have him in my life. He's not someone I, I want to seek out a connection to, but I was like, if he ever really was doing the work and like really wanting to apologize to me for anything, um, I would, I would rather him take that energy and focus it on whoever he's married to and whoever he's parenting, if he's parenting anyone, right? Like just really show up as your best self in your future relationships. I'm reading a book right now called Safe People and it's really, really good. It's very, I mean, if you're not into scripture uh, and the Bible, like it's take what you like and leave the rest kind of stuff, but it's really good. Um, and I'm learning a lot about how I used to not be a safe person. And I'm. it's very exposing and it's kind of like, wow, I never wanted the people I love to experience that kind of stuff, but I can see the way in which I used to behave that way because I didn't know better. Mm -hmm. um, and now like I'm doing better and I'm, I'm learning more and it's great. I'm grateful to read it and know that I'm not that way anymore, but like to, to read it and understand it from a perspective of growth has been really interesting and really cool to know that I'm just setting myself up to love better. And yeah. when you can love other people better, you can love yourself more. And that's really, it's a feedback loop. The more you can love yourself, the more you can love other people and the less you care about what other people think about you. Cause that's getting out of your ego and into your spirit. Mm, true. I think I may, may is it, what is it called? Safe uh, people. It's called safe people. I'm like, I'm looking to see if I have it next to me. I don't. It's safe people. Um, but it's a, it's a good one. I haven't finished it yet, but it's, it's a good book. Okay. Um, Okay, so my last question for you, April, before we wrap up, is what is your sun, moon, and rising sign? Right, right, right. My sun and moon, wait, what, what's like the, the biggest, like the, the mainstream one is sun, right? Sun, yeah. Sun, moon is uh, Taurus, rising is Aries. Oh, wow. Aries rising. I can see where there's anger. Um, Aries is a lot of fire. It's your, your cardinal fire sign. Like it's energy, it's warrior. It's like, it's, it's the, it's what you seek. And so it's, it's kind of like every sign has its like exalted and high vibration and low vibration. Right. And so the more like Pisces is really like victim mode in its, um, in its low vibration and it's high vibration. It's very spiritual. It's very connected. It's very feelings. It's like a spiritual leader almost right like so there's it's interesting how you get uh these different things from signs anyway so i just i always like to ask because i know i have some astrology babes in the audience who are curious but also taurus cozy at home you love luxury taurus taurus aries yeah like i i, I embrace my tori taurian ways i guess yeah i like being a bull <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> okay, April, your OnlyFans is OnlyFans.com slash April Flores, right? The April Flores. The April Flores. Okay, great. Yeah. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. 
I'll also put, what's your actual website? I don't have an actual website. <laughs> I'm so bad. Yeah. Well, well, Milka is always telling me because he does computer development stuff. He's always like, let me make your website. Let me make your website. And I'm just like lagging on my end. So yeah, it's coming soon, I guess. I don't know. It's, yeah, I just have to get on it. <laughs> Fine. I mean, maybe someone's listening to this like two years from now in like 2023 and they will go find your actual website, which will probably be something around along the lines of April Flores. Yeah, Google, Google me. <laughs> Google you. April 4th. Anyway, thank you so much for being here, sharing your wisdom, your healing, your process. I just adore you so much. I'm so glad to be in life with you and excited to see the places you'll go. Thank you, Bevan. Thanks for talking to me and giving me this opportunity. I don't think I've gone this deep about a lot of stuff. So yeah, I, I, I you know, friends, we open up this way and, um, Thanks for giving me this opportunity. Uh, yeah. Hugs. Hugs. Big air hug. Yay. Everybody out there, do an air hug in front of you, and you'll be in a group hug with me in April Flores. Yay. Oh, the squishy boobs. Okay. Love you. Yay. Love you, Megan. Thank you.